Hello and welcome to Mountain Talk. I'm Rachel Geringer. Today on Mountain Talk, we're revisiting the black lung crisis that our region is facing. Federal researchers say that Central Appalachia is the epicenter of one of the largest industrial medicine disasters that the United States has ever seen. WMMT's Benny Becker worked with NPR's Howard Burkis on an investigation that revealed that more current and former miners have the worst form of black lung disease than ever before. The reporting has since won three national awards and led the federal government and members of Congress to take action. Our show begins with WMMT's contribution to that project. We start in Pike County, Kentucky, where Dr. James Brandon Crum diagnoses a man who is fighting for breath. So this is what an x-ray of, of you and I or a normal person should look like. And you contrast that to the individual which we'll be talking to today. And you can see the significant difference. There's these large conglomerate masses consistent with complicated black lung. And this individual's 38 years old. My name's Mackie Branham Jr. And I've got right at 19 years underground. I come straight out of school, turned down full scholarship to go to college because I know I go straight in and make good money because I wanted to start my own family. The more I talk, the more I get out of breath. And it's like me trying to blow up like a new balloon. It's just a lot of pressure. I can no longer provide for my family, and I can't do nothing around the house like I normally would. It tires your nerves up. I'm Amber Branham. I'm married to Mackie Branham Jr. I am a waitress at Golden Ring Diner and a mother of five. It's just a hard thing to watch because I've seen a strong man go from being so strong to work six, seven days a week, all the hours they want, down to having to be home 24-7 because he can't stand the weather outside. I'm Mac Branham. Um, yes, sir. Times when I was younger, I'd forget what he looked like because he was always at work. I was what they called a company man. I did what they wanted. I worked 70 some days straight without a, a day off. 15, 16 hours a day because we was making a big move. Many a nights did he not come home for two days. He would lay over there, take a shower, and go back in for the next shift if they didn't have somebody over there. And they know that. That's the thing that makes me mad and upset about it. He worked himself to the bone for them. And now when the favorites should be repaid back, they fight him tooth and nail. They have the money and the lawyers to prolong it as long as they want to to keep us from getting his benefits, keep from having to pay that comp and black lung out. A lot of people don't know what it's like to have your babies sitting there and you can't even hardly put food on your table because it takes so many doctors and so many judges to just tell somebody that they're in bad enough need to have help. Can't draw unemployment, can't draw disability, fighting for that black lung with everything he has in him. Ten months we've been fighting for it. Still not a dime from unemployment, Social Security, or black lung so far. Everyone fought us. They're just trying to do what's best for the company, but they need to think more about the families. I'm hoping that Alpha and them have a heart. Let him draw out what he is owed. I can't provide for nobody no more. That takes my manhood away. It doesn't take your manhood away. This family, if, as you see, the kids respect well, every bit of him. My pride away, all right? He's not the only coal miner that feels that way. There is hundreds of men out there that think that, that, oh, I can't provide, so I'm worthless. They're not worthless because their family loves them, and they want them to be here as long as they can have them here. But in their eyes, they get depressed because they can't do what they've always done. Mine's a little bit different than that. It's knowing I'm not going to get better. 
My cells are transplants. And it's not knowing how long I'm going to be if I don't get them. I'm sure there's hundreds of men out there like him. Because he's not the only one that had that put in his lungs. So I'm sure there's hundreds and hundreds of men out there that are in the same shape he is, fighting for their benefits. We'll be lucky if he sees it. My name is Evan Smith. I'm an attorney at Appalachian Citizens Law Center here in Whitesburg, Kentucky. We're having a lot more severe black lung than even our worst nightmares. What the doctors say is that there's multiple factors going on here. We have people who are working longer hours, being exposed to more dust and mining seams of coal that are thinner. And so you're bringing a lot more sandstone and other rocks. All the black lung coming out. I see a lot of them, they can't find jobs. What else are they going to do? They're going to try to sign up on their black lung. And then that puts people, I hate to say it like me, that was pulled because of the black lung. So far down on the list, it hurts me. But I can't blame them. They're doing what they got to do to provide for their family also. When he was younger, it was either be a coal miner or leave home. And we don't even have that choice anymore, so it's leave home. All the coal mining jobs is gone. The coal miners has nothing else to go for but to sign up on their black lung if they've got it. I make in a week what he made in two days. And here it is Christmas, and it's hard to be able to tell them, like, hey, Mommy and Bub will do what we can. Santa will bring what he can, and if not, then we'll do our best when we can. You could probably go to 15 houses up the creek and you'll hear the same story, whether it be black lung or whether it just been plain straight laid off. Everyone up Elkhorn Creek has been affected by it. The stress that that puts on the entire extended family, on the church community, on just really our entire region, it's really scary, and you know, when we talk about the legacy cost of the industry and the problems that we're going to have as our economy transitions, those individual household economics are just a huge piece of it. Now, our nation has made the choice that we're going to try to move away from coal, but the people who dug the coal already, we can't move away from them. If I had it to do over, I would do it again, if that's what it took to provide for my family as long as I have. Mackie Branham Jr. did receive his benefits shortly after that story first aired back in December. Earlier today, he told WMMT that he's given up on trying to get a lung transplant, so for now, he's trying to take things day by day. Dr. James Brandon Crum is the doctor who diagnosed Mackie Branham Jr. He is also the person who got the federal government to start looking into the surging numbers of advanced black lung. This past August, Dr. Crum visited the Southeast Kentucky Black Lung Association here in Whitesburg and explained to the crowd what he's seen and learned about the black lung epidemic facing our region. I'm a radiologist and a bee reader, so I read the x-rays that the miners have done, the black lung and, and other forms of occupational lung disease. And I also did two years of internal medicine on top of that, so quite a, quite a bit of training. Um, as a bee reader, there's probably about 300 of us in the country total. So We're going to first talk about kind of the forms of black lung and, and how I look at it on chest x-ray and how I diagnose it. And then later on, we're going to talk a little bit about the updates on black lung that we're seeing here in central Appalachia and what I'm seeing in my clinic in Pikeville. And I'll give you some updates on that. So there's black lung comes in a lot of different forms. And, and what we're just now trying to pass on to people uh, and educate people is the classic form is the, the nodules like we see. And that's what we call simple. And then we go to what we call complicated, which is when those nodules get to be 10 millimeters or bigger. And it's the same nodule, it's just when they get in a bigger size when it shifts to complicated. And it's important for complicated for us to recognize it and for us to report it on your chest x-rays for a couple reasons. 
one reason when you're trying to get your black lung is once you hit complicated, it doesn't matter what your pulmonary tests show and your breathing tests once you're diagnosed with complicated. And the other thing is, is when it's complicated, we want to make sure that we monitor you closely because you have increased morbidity, which is more problems with your lungs. And um, that's the main two reasons that we're trying to see simple from complicated for you. Now, you also have COPD, which is emphysema and chronic bronchitis, which is caused by dust. Uh, coal dust, rock dust, or a combination of the two is usually what we see now. And before, a lot of the lawyers and stuff like that was for the companies would would blame this emphysema and blame chronic bronchitis um, on smoking. And that's how they would try to, you know, keep you from getting your black lung and things like that. But the news research out that we started back in 2008, um, which is Bob Cohen is a really good pulmonologist out of Illinois and I'm working with him right now to get x-rays for our new uh, for our new digital standards that the whole world will use for black lung. They did a lot of um, research which now shows that emphysema is actually caused just as much by coal dust and rock dust as it is by smoking. It's about a one year working in the mines is equivalent to about one year smoking on emphysema and its causes. Chronic bronchitis also caused equally by both of them. Fibrosis is something that they just started in the last, since about 2008, 2010, and it's a different type of fibrosis. You got your complicated, which is one kind of fibrosis, and then you got what we call a diffuse fibrosis. And this is, is rare, but we're seeing it quite a bit uh, pick up, especially when we have a, lo a lot of silica and coal ducts mixed with each other. And this is a bad form of it. it, usually leads to transplant pretty quickly, lung transplant. And then we have what we call reactive airway disease, which, again, the lawyers and things like that or the pulmonary doctors for the companies will say that you have asthma uh, when you have wheezing and when you have, when you take those tests, those uh, breathing tests, they give you the puffers. They'll measure you before they do the puffers and they measure you after. And if you have a response, most of the company doctors will say it's from asthma and not from what we call small or reactive airway disease. But this is actually caused by dust too. It's not asthma at all. It's, it's secondary to coal dust and rock dust actually. So it mimics asthma exactly. And so everything that, that can be caused by, by smoking can be caused by coal dust and rock dust most of the time too. So uh, we're educating people on that. Uh, we diagnose your, or I diagnose it by chest x-ray and CT scan. That's my two main things that I look at. You can do spirometry, that's what you, you blow into and breathe, and they do a bunch of tests on you when you do your things, and history is really important for me at my clinic, and I'll go over that a little bit later. And then they can biopsy, but biopsy is not required for any kind of legal uh, evaluation for black lung at all. You shouldn't have to have a biopsy for it. It should be diagnosed primarily on your history and what we see on x-rays and CT scans. So here's a couple examples of black lung, and this is the simple or the what we see normally, and you can see all these little white spots on chest x-ray. This is chest x-ray. All these are dots caused by black lung. So this is what we call a perfusion when you hear that, and you'll say a stage two, stage one, stage three. Well, what that really means, and we're not supposed to say mild, moderate, or severe, but that's really about what it is. One's usually milder, but that still qualifies you. Two's in the middle and three's really severe. And a perfusion is simply just the number of nodules that you have in your lung. That's what it means. That's all scar tissue. And once it scars down, you can't use it anymore. That's right, it's gone. There's no gas exchange. There's no physiological anything. It's just scar tissue and fibrosis. So when I say fibrosis, that means scar tissue also. So once it progresses to these big masses, uh, we call it complicated black lung or PMF. So that's what we're looking for on x-ray. We're looking for little nodules, and then we're looking for these bigger nodules or bigger masses. Now, these guys are really big. These are probably six or seven centimeters. But the only thing that you have to have is one nodule, 10 millimeters or one centimeter in size or bigger, and that by International Labor Organization classifies that as complicated or PMF. That's what we got to have. So that brings us to this. You've got an x-ray that you can see these little white kind of shadows, and then you got CT scans. And that's kind of that thing at the hospital, they put you back in that big tunnel and that wheel spins and spins around. And if you think of CT scan, CT scan's like a super x-ray. So this CT scan is about a hundred times better for me to see them little nodules 
and these bigger masses and big nodules compared to a regular x-ray. So if there's anything on x-ray that's borderline around one centimeter, you can see it, and there's no question about it anymore. Now there's good to bad to that. It's good that if you see it, but it's bad if it, you do scan it and it's not there too. So you need to have somebody looking at them that's pretty confident that's going to be there you know, before you progress on to that CT scan. Now, sometimes people worry about the radiation on these CT scans, and uh, when I first started in residency up in Kettering, um, radiation was, was a consideration, but now our new CT scanners, uh, one chest CT is kind of about the same radiation as living in Denver for about six months, Colorado. So it's not near as much radiation as you think. So what happens is when we had x-rays like this one, and you had x-rays like this one, uh, they would send them, companies would send them to uh, bee readers in uh, probably the, one of the, the most famous ones, John Hopkins, and they would read these x-rays as negative for black lung. They say negative for black lung because I've read, uh, the man that no longer works up there, I've probably read 100 cases of him that they reissued and redid because he never read. He read over 10,000 cases and never called one of them positive for black lung. So they would blame this stuff on other diseases, and they would blame it. You really got three big things you can blame it on if it's not black lung. You got complicated black lung. You got what we call sarcoidosis, which is rare, and it occurs about in one out of every 110 or 111,000 white people. It's a little bit more common in, in blacks and Native, in, uh, Native Americans, but it's still like one in 100,000. That's how often that occurs, so it's extremely rare. The other thing that they blame this on is tuberculosis or TB. That's the other thing they blame it on. Now TB, which used to be pretty common, it's actually significantly lower in eastern Kentucky than it is anywhere in the state. Last year there was only like, um, I think 20 or 30 cases of TB reported in the whole state of Kentucky. And in our districts, which we're in District 11 here, I think, or one of the districts, most of your coal-producing counties will have one or two cases in multiple counties in a year. So it's almost non-existent in eastern Kentucky. And the reason that is is because TB now is most often associated with homelessness and IV drug users in inner cities. That's where your tuberculosis happens now. So it's not feasible to call it TB anymore. It's not feasible to call it sarcoid anymore, which occurs one in 100,000. Uh, they also call it, and your Johns Hopkins guy, when I read his stuff, uh, he called it histoplasmosis, conglomerate histoplasmosis. So conglomerate histoplasmosis means you have all these big, uh, kind of this fungus that, that conglomerates together and forms these masses. And it can look like this, but conglomerate histoplasmosis usually only occurs in somebody that's completely immunosuppressed, meaning somebody with advanced cancer or somebody with advanced HIV or AIDS or something like that or lymphoma. So the incidence of conglomerate histoplasmosis, I can't even find how often that occurs. That's so rare. So I had three to four different medical schools try to find it for me from Tennessee, Kentucky, and Virginia, and we can't even find it. That's how rare it is. So that kind of brings us to where we're at now, and so if we talk about all these things that's so rare, like TB, histoplasmosis, and sarcoid, uh, then how often or how common is complicated black lung in central Appalachia? And this is, you'll have a healthy lung, simple to pee, and this is how it progresses or how it actually forms. And the, the bad part about this is, is uh, if you've got a lung like this and you, you quit mining and you come out, don't matter if you quit or not, you've still got a, just a high risk progressing the complicated or progressing further even after you quit. So you can be taken out of the dust, you can be taken out of the coal dust, the rock dust, or the combination of the two, and you still, in central Appalachian, I would consider it a high risk for developing or progressing even after you quit or you're taken out. And that's because once those dust particles bypass the normal immune system in the lungs, they're always there. They never come out. You never get rid of them. And you, you never get better, that's true. So here's a graph, and we start talking about how common black lung is in, in central Appalachia. And when I say central Appalachia, I really mean eastern Kentucky, western part of Virginia, and southern West Virginia. That's central Appalachia. That's the, that's the heart of the coal fields. And you can see back here in 1969 and in 1970-71, there was about a three, little over 3% complicated rate. I mean, about 3% of the miners had it. 
And this is actually where they started their, their dust um, implementations and their dust standards. So you was about a little over 3% before they even started, you know, having dust standards and things like that or regulations. And after they started their regulations, you saw a pretty big drop, then you saw a rise, then you saw a really big drop until about 2000. And about after 2000, then you watch this thing keep going up and up and up and up, and now you're over 5%. Now you got this little tick down, but I talked to my buddies at CDC, and, and this is just, I think, some kind of recording thing. This isn't accurate at all, because this is continuing to go higher. So our complicated rates of black lung is probably pretty close to double or even triple before they even started doing dust regulations and dust monitoring back in 69, 70. I got 122 in my clinic by itself. So about a year ago in July, I went to the CDC in NIOSH and I talked to, I talked to them about it that I was concerned about how much I was seeing in Central Appalachia, how much I was seeing in my clinic that was getting done there. Uh, so they agreed to come in and look at it, and they um, they said they had heard about an uptick, but they you know they wanted to make sure it was right that somebody just wasn't telling them something. So they came into the clinic uh, in September, my clinic, and we looked at all. At that time, I had about 60 cases of complicated black lung, and it took me about a year and a half, 18 months or something like that, 24 months to get to about 60. So it was about two years, year and a half for two years. So they looked at every one of those cases. And then they, they got copies of all of them, and they took them back to Morgantown, West Virginia, and they had a whole panel of people look at them. And they agreed. It was, it was complicated black lung. And after that, they came back to the clinic, and we pulled those 60, and we did a report together. So the CDC and myself, uh, we published a report that uh, went out in December of 2016, so a little over six months ago. And in that report, we had 60 cases of PMF or complicated black lung disease in about 20 months duration at that clinic. We had 49 cases in 2016 year to date. We had about 34 cases in the last six months. So you can see over half of our cases was in the last six months that we got. Most recent case was a minor walked in the same day that we were at the clinic and while they were there and, and they recorded him too. Um, so we had a significant, now this is significant because this is more cases than had ever been reported in the entire country leading up to like 1999. So for a little clinic in, in Pikeville, it was, it was really unheard of. So when they published that, it, it sent shockwaves all through eastern Kentucky and through that, you know, the Appalachians and the, and the black lung community. But we analyzed those 60 and, and we found that about 43% of them were, were roof boulders. About 33% were continuous minor operators, and then you had 5 to 1% dropping down to your scoops, shuttle cars, drillers, long wall shears, and even some dozer drivers. And um, on the surface, we're seeing an alarming rate of black lung too, not only simple but complicated uh, black lung also. So it's not just underground that we're seeing it. We're seeing it on these strip jobs too and the new strip jobs. So since then, um, like I say, it's probably been about six or eight months, um, we got over 120 now in our clinic of complicated black lung disease. So we're double in about six or eight months. We've already doubled that initial 60. Um, that's compared to 20 months before. We got cases of severe complicated black lung or PF, PMF continue to increase above any recorded data in the history of the United States, even before dust control standards. Cases of complicated black lung continue to surge within young minors, and this is particularly concerning right here, many of which are now seeking lung transplant. Uh, we got an average survival rate, and this is what's bad, is that uh, Laney and, and Scott Blackley, which is the two guys that I work with the most from CDC and NIOSH, uh, did a report on the um, survival post-lung transplant, if you had a lung transplant, if you were a minor. And your average survival post-transplant was only 3.7 years after they got new lungs. And that's unilateral or bilateral lung. It didn't matter if they got one or two. So it's about four years is what they had on average after they got it. And that's significantly less compared to other transplants uh, from either smoking or from alpha-1 antitrypsin or some other disease. And there was some reasons that they gave that. And one of it was because of all the fibrosis and the scarring. It was hard to get those lungs out. Uh, they had to do a lot of tearing and shearing and try to get them out and things like that when they transplanted them. Uh, but this, uh, these cases here, 
Now, this says 2015, but it's not. I had to do a little rearranging. But these boys here actually came in uh, Thursday and Friday of last week. And you can see these big masses here, big masses here. All this is mass and large opacity. This perfusion is about a two or a three perfusion. Uh, so this boy, y'all think how old he is? Can you guess? Third, yeah, 40 years old. No smoke. No smoke on either one of these boys. This one came in the other day, yesterday, I think, or day before. These are x-rays. Yeah, if you got CTs on these, they'd look 10 times worse. So the amount of complicated black lung, and this is just complicated. This is not counting the other black lung that we're seeing, is you know probably three times higher than anybody's ever recorded. My incidence rate in my clinic is about 8%, 8 to 9%. So that's close to one out of 10 that comes in there has got complicated disease, which is considered the worst occupational lung disease in the world. That's what it's considered. Um, and then all the simple black lung that we have still has the potential to progress to complicated, even though they're not right now, um, they still could get there. So uh, we, we've got tons and tons of cases of, of black lung disease and complicated disease never seen before. So when we talk about opacities, and if you see that on your report, there's small opacities, and that's just the little nodules like I showed you before, and then there's large opacities, and that's these big white ones. And once those little ones get above a centimeter, then we switch them to large. And once they're large opacity, that's complicated. That's the, way, that's the way we read it. Uh, the worst chest x-ray I've seen since I've been here uh, came in last week, uh, and he was, he was a C, which means like this white place right here, the whole lung is white, and his whole lung is white, and he's 40. He's the worst x-ray I've ever seen. He's 40 years old, and he quit six months ago. The only chance he's got is transplanting, and then if you transplant him, he's still on average only got four years, 3.7 years. How much of this spike in these cases is due to the timing? When the mine started shutting down and laying off, we had people that had never been out of work before. So you had, I think the last three years has been the true representation of what black lung really is in central Appalachia. You had your longest working miners, you had your best miners that kept their jobs the longest, and then you had young ones also. Everybody got laid off. So you got the entire gamut of who was working, how long they'd worked, all the counties they'd worked in, the different mines they'd worked in, the strip jobs, the underground, the slope mines. You got the true picture of what it really is. And unfortunately, that true picture is the worst that we've ever seen. And it's not getting any better. I mean, it's not. When you look at that graph, it's just going straight up. And eventually, you know, they'll we'll run out of miners to test. But you look at the on the way over here. You, now you got trucks running again, so your mines are picking up again. You're hiring, you're opening new mines, and you're going to be in the same shape these boys are in right now if they don't do something about it. And it's probably going to be more aggressive and more severe than we're seeing right now, without a doubt. There's multiple factors, and at the clinic, um, with those miners, we got about a thousand miners now that we got histories on. So, everybody that comes into my clinic and's got a chest X-ray like this, if it's a two or more, or it's complicated, then I sit down with them, and I spend whatever amount of time it takes, and I get the the history on them, uh, and we have the most detailed work history on Central Appalachian miners in the world is at our clinic in Pible. We got over 800 to 1,000 miners that we've got that kind of history on. Nowhere ever before has produced or has that kind of history on these boys. And I mean every, everything from where they work, how long they work, what they run, what seams they was in, how much rock they cut, how much middleman they cut, how much rock top they took, how much bottom they took. Was it sandstone? Was it shell? Was it both? Everything. So from that data, the CDC is working with us to figure out what's the potential causes of it. So what we can do to help is, is we try to probably first is educate. So we, we've spoke at, at medical schools in Tennessee and we spoke at medical schools in Kentucky and 
This is uh, David Blackley and Scott Laney. These are the two epidemiologists of the CDC, and these are probably two of the best epidemiologists in the world. Um, these boys are, are when they have the Zika virus and they have the Ebola virus, they send them everywhere. So they just got back from China and they just got back from Africa, uh, Zambezi and Zimbabwe. So they send them all over the world. So these are the ones that's working with us or working with me at, at Pikeville. And uh, we've lectured close to 750 doctors, medical students, and, and people that will listen at multiple medical schools. Uh, to try to tell what's going on uh, because unfortunately a lot of doctors uh, especially in a 38 or a 40 year old and it comes in with this even radiologists they'll read this as as some kind of pneumonia or something because they're not used to seeing 35 or 40 year olds with complicated black lung so they call it pneumonia and one of the boys that that Benny did the research on and the and the project on was Mackie Branham and, and Mackie was diagnosed with uh, pneumonia and treated for pneumonia for almost nine months off and on and he never quit mining never quit running the miner but it was complicated black lung it wasn't pneumonia so we got to educate the medical providers we got to educate the, the people that teach them the medical students uh, we got to educate everybody that we can about this disease because it's a it's a real truly an epidemic of unmeasured proportions in, in industrial medicine so we, we cooperate with NIOSH at our clinic, and our, the truck was there last week for two days last week, test of minors. And, um, and the head of the CDC, Anita Wolf, was there. She was there two or three days with us working with minors. Um, and she's putting together, they had, for the faces of black lung was the first one that came out, and we're working on the, the new faces of black lung now, uh, which we interviewed about three people uh, last week for it. So they're going to make a new video. And what I'd like to see is, uh, you know, when I worked in the mines and on the, in the tipples and stuff, we all had to retrain. You have to retrain whether you're underground or surface every year. So I would, what I told them is they should show this video when they retrain them. That's how you get all of them. That's how you get your surface workers and your miners too. And you got to educate them. So if they're not doing what they're not, if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing and the operators ain't doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're going to be in for uh, potential devastation because it's not only disabling, it's killing people. So any uh, questions or anything? <laughs> I guess that's a pretty bleak uh, thing, but that's just a, that's the stone cold truth the way it is. The boy that was so bad to see, he, he quit about three months ago and he got, he got laid off. Um, but, um, and that's, that's the worst I've ever seen, but that just came in. Probably a blessing right before CDC came in because they uh, interviewed him and talked to him while he was there. So, Personally, uh, I've never known or heard of anybody in this area having a lung transplant that had black lung. Uh, how common is that? It's getting more common every day. Yeah. The, I think the number of, of transplants are increasing exponentially for black lung. In my clinic, I've got four that's waiting on transplants right now. And two of them's less than 45. And the other one's 65. And then we got one that's, well, the one I told you about the C, he will be transplanted. So that's four just in the last three or four weeks. Uh, the problem is, is the availability of lungs, you know, and then um, um, it's just hard to get a, a lung in general, but it, it's going to go up exponentially. It'll probably be one of the fastest uh, increases for transplant of anywhere will be black lung. You know, you talk about that spike in black lung claims, uh, you know, exposure time. At one time, you were eight hours a day, five days a week, basically. Now, these companies keep having more employees, you work 12 hours a day, six days a week. And that could be part of the reason for it because you're exposed to it. There's, there's multiple factors, and that's one of them. I mean, the longer you're in it, the worse it is. Uh, one of the things, and probably, you know, when we mined, and, and we always mined clean, mine conventional. We either used a cut machine, or if we used a miner, it was fairly clean, and we never washed it. And now almost ever, you've depleted the good seams in eastern Kentucky, and now your smaller seams are having to be mined, and those smaller seams are mined based on production, not quality, but quantity. 
And when you go into that quantity type uh, situation for production and you get into a um, 18 and 20 inch seam and you're cutting 24, 48 inches of rock with it on top and bottoms just so you can get your equipment in there without having to buy new equipment, then you're going to have big trouble. Yeah, 60, 70 percent reject. That's right. And not many people who ever worked at a don't realize a boat, a roof boater, machine, uh, you don't get so much from just your drilling because that suction of that pulls it out really well. But uh, it goes through a system like there of filters. But then there's enough for after the building, I guess it's the black itself. You can look at, you can see the dust coming out of it. It comes right around uh, ventilation plants right across the mountain. That's why, that's what's killing roof boaters. We had, you can see, most of the roof boater continues, but hardly anybody ever does just one job. I mean, if you're a good miner, you probably do about everything in there. When somebody's sick or off or on a break, you, you know, you're pretty much doing anything. I've taught a lot of retrain today. And I showed this faces the black line. That was something I showed, you know, part of the training. But the young miners will sleep through that if they can. Yeah. We yeah, need, uh, we got simulated SCSRs, we got simulated mm -hmm. smoke. We need a simulated uh, what it's like when you catch this disease. Rather yeah. than putting a plastic bag down over their head, I've never seen that. But the young miners don't take it serious. They don't. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, used to you'd have to work 30 years to get that bad. And that's not the case anymore. You know, you're, you're talking about shorter and shorter durations. And, and they have no idea that they can get that disease that bad. They have no idea that it kills them that quick. Mackie was 17 to 19 years, less than 20. Now, we've seen them. I've seen complicated less than seven years sometimes. But that's certain situations. Every situation is different. Every situation needs to be analyzed individually. We always thought we'd get it, but you never thought you'd get it this bad, or you never thought that it would, you know, kill you or take you out early. But it's this is a whole this is a whole different ball game from when my grandfather had black lung. He died at 76, and he was on oxygen, but you know he's 76, 78 years old. Yeah, and I know I've asked a doctor or two about this, and they said that they have seen it with the rock dust that you apply in the coal mine. We had one doctor here and I asked him about it and he said that our lungs will get rid of the rock dust. Well, here's, uh, I'll tell you what that rock dust, and I've looked at that over and over and over because there's almost every one of these boys that's real bad has done a ton of rock dust. And rock dust is limestone and it's supposed to be inert, meaning that your lungs don't react to it. But the problem is, is that mixed in that limestone, you're never going to have pure limestone crushed. You're going to have sandstone with it. You're going to have quartz with it. You're going to have silica components. And then not only that, but when you breathe pure limestone, if it was pure, it still irritates your lungs and decreases your immune system, which makes you more susceptible for the coal dust and the actual rock dust coming in. Okay, does that rock dust actually come out of your lungs, or is it there to stay? The, the size that can come out of your lungs is 10 microns, and that's about the size of a red blood cell. And that's, it's so tiny, but if it's less than that, your body can't clear it. Well, the reason I'm asking you, my lungs is bad. But my chest x-rays don't show too bad. And that chart that you just showed, they changed the specifications on rock dust right around 2010, 2011. When they changed the rock dust, that rock dust does not settle. And I don't know how many of you all ever worked in it, but it would choke me to death. And these companies, if the inspector was due next week, they would rock dust that mine with everybody in there. And it would be so dusty you couldn't see. And so the experts, most of them will say that that's not supposed to hurt you, but I believe it does. Well, I know I smoked for 36 years. 
Halloween will be 10 years that I've quit. And they say when you quit smoking, your lungs are supposed to heal themselves. That's supposed to get better, that's right. All right, I quit smoking 10 years ago. When I quit, I quit because of the cost. I could breathe good, but now I can't. You're, you're not an atypical case at all, and I'll tell you why. It's because this is only one form of it. Them nodules and that complicated that I read is one, two, or three, or, or ABC, that's only one piece of it. This is the other pieces right here. Now, fibrosis I can see, but emphysema is hard for me to see. And if I report emphysema, a lot of time they'll blame it on smoking. Chronic bronchitis is clinical. I can't see it on x-ray. This reactive airway disease, I can't see it on x-ray. So even though your x-ray is, is not bad, as some people call it, that don't mean that you have damage to your lung from, that you don't have it from dust. Because you can have reactive airway disease, you can have emphysema, you can have chronic bronchitis. Every bit of that, most of it, I can't see on x-ray. Well, see, I've had three black lung exams. All three of them says my breathing is off. You've had the breathing's bad, but what's the chest x-ray? Uh, one or 01, 10? 01. 01, so you're right on the edge. And I got a cousin. Every right one of the reports say they put in there, you know, cause where I smoked for 36 years. How long did you work? You should have been credited more for dust exposure than you was for smoking. Or equally or just slightly above. I got a boy Going right to now. The Department of Labor, I have black lung. I mean, that's, but like I say, all the, the doctor reports put in there that my problem was due a lot by smoking. And like I say, when I quit smoking, I could breathe good. Not anymore. Yeah, well, I, the boy that came in last week is my, actually my cousin. I know him. He's, he's about 40, well, he's about 48, I'd say. And he, uh, he's got about a 1-0. Kind of like that, 0110 chest. And he's on three breathing medicines. Can't breathe. If he goes off his breathing medicines, he can't walk from here out in the parking lot. His chest x-ray don't look bad. But you know there's terrible lung disease because he can't sit here and talk to you for five minutes and he starts wheezing at the end of every time he tries to talk. Same way my dad does. That reactive airway disease is a big part of it. Now, if the company does it, they'll blame it on asthma. Nobody has this much asthma. That's crazy, but that's what they blame it on. It's not asthma. It's small vessel disease. It's when the dust gets in the terminal parts of the bronchioles and causes a consistent reaction. That reaction causes inflammation, just like asthma does. And when you give those puffers and inhalers, it reverses, just like asthma does. So we're also working on, and, and Cohen and those guys are working with the trucks, and, and we're trying to not only have chest x-ray, we're, but we're trying to get other kind of breathing tests to help diagnose it too, instead of just what we've been doing before, so that it helps individuals, you know, like you and him, um, on that regards too. But a lot of the times we see is when they they quit working. Usually, breathing's pretty good until about three or five years after they quit. After they quits, when your breathing usually gets the worse, on on what I talk to, almost every one of them, especially the young. That was Dr. James Brandon Crum speaking to the Southeast Kentucky Black Lung Association here in Whitesburg. Dr. Crum mentioned that he's been working with two federal researchers, Scott Laney and David Blackley. Last April, the researchers came to Pikeville, Kentucky, to recruit allies in the fight against black lung. WMMT's Benny Becker was there and brings us this story. Medical students fill an auditorium at the University of Pikeville to hear the latest on black lung, a disease many think should be history by now. If we come to your town, there's generally something bad going on there. And that's certainly the case in Pike County, Kentucky and the surrounding areas. We're at the epicenter of one of the largest industrial medicine disasters that the United States has ever seen. That's Scott Laney. He was part of a research team that identified a resurgence in the worst form of black lung disease. Laney and his colleague David Blackley got word that a clinic here in Pike County had more cases than a national screening program had seen nationwide. We found only a few dozen cases of complicated black lung in the last several years, but just in the last year and a half at one clinic in Pikeville, we saw 60 cases. Blackley and Laney came to the coal field seeking to raise awareness in the local medical field and also to find and encourage new collaborations. 
The researchers only found out about the resurgence once they connected with a local physician, Dr. Brandon Crum. Crum says what's troubling isn't just the number of new black lung patients, it's how quickly he's seeing the disease progress in young miners. Being from a mining family and a miner myself, the thought was it would occur in your 70s and your 80s and you would have trouble breathing, but it wouldn't affect your life. But with this new aggressive form of the disease, we're seeing an attack younger and younger miners with shorter duration of mining. Crum says he's seen the worst form of black lung disease in miners who spent as few as seven years working in coal mines. The biggest concern for us is to get the awareness out there that this has happened in extremely young individuals. David Blackley, the federal researcher, also says it's been a challenge to create awareness of the current rise in severe black lung. Many people think black lung, isn't that something that went away in the 1960s and 70s? This is something that's real, it's something that's ongoing, and it should be recognized as the tragedy that it is. Last December, NPR and The Resource obtained records from several black lung health clinics in the region and found another 962 incidents of severe black lung. Blackley and Laney have been reaching out to clinics, hoping to create a more comprehensive count. They expect to find more new cases of severe black lung in young minors and more work that needs to be done. We plan on working on this issue for many, many years until it's remedied. Last week, a bipartisan group of legislators sent a letter to President Trump requesting $3.3 million of additional funding for black lung health clinics facing this resurgence in black lung disease. For the Ohio Valley Resource, I'm Benny Becker, reporting from Pikeville, Kentucky. That story came to us from the Ohio Valley Resource, which is made possible by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and WMMT. We'll finish this evening's program by listening to the audio from a short documentary called Dying Breed, which explores the black lung epidemic in eastern Kentucky. This film was made during the summer of 2017 by youth producers Lauren Rose, Shaylin Clark, Ben Whaley-Jones, and Jaden Tolliver at Appleshop's Appalachian Media Institute. Since 1988, the Appalachian Media Institute, or AMI, has provided opportunities for young people from across central Appalachia to explore their home communities, address local issues, and become thoughtful, engaged citizens through the process of place-based media making. If you'd like to watch the film Dying Breed, visit Appalachian Media Institute, or AMI, on Vimeo. I'd rather have my health, be able to breathe, is have all the money they can give me. Forty years, I've met, I've met a lot of people. A lot of them's already passed and gone. I know it won't get better, and it'll probably eventually take me out of this world. Black lung disease is a disease of the lungs and it's caused by inhalation of dust. Um, co-workers pneumoconiosis, which is what we have here in central Appalachia, is caused by either inhalation of coal dust or rock dust or more often what we're seeing a mixed dust disease, which is an inhalation of both coal and rock dust together. To prove entitlement to benefits, a miner has to show not only does he have black lung disease, but he has a totally disabling lung impairment that is being caused at least in part by that black lung disease. Miners that file for benefits may not know for many years whether or not they're actually going to win their case. It's not unusual in these cases to win a claim close in time to the miner's death.
He was a good father and he was a good husband. He thought only of me and, and, and our son, and that's why he was in the coal mine, so we could have a good life. And I never forget, we were standing right out here in the yard, and he said, uh, Rita, he said, uh, I've got lung cancer. The general superintendent, he called me in. He said he needed to talk to me. He said, uh, I noticed where you had applied for a job. I said, uh, I'm sorry. He said, but we can't hire you. And I said, why is that? He said, you have black lung. <laughs> I said, well, I've been working for the past week, already gone to work. And he just kind of looked puzzled. He said, okay, going back to work. And I did. My face would turn purple. That's what it cost was. And then uh, I had a stroke at work. And I went to the doctor and it was I was off. They were going to have it on Friday, and I was off. I went back to work Monday. I worked Monday and Tuesday, and Wednesday I had another stroke. People have been saying for decades, you know, black lung is a disease we know how to end. Black lung should be gone by now, and yet we keep finding over and over again that black lung disease is still here, and right now it's actually in some very scary ways, it's worse than it's ever been. And I feel like people don't really talk about black lung much. I thought, oh, it's probably not that big of a deal here, just because it's not something you hear a lot of concern about. My name's Mackie Burnham Jr. And I've got right at 19 years underground. I come straight out of school, turned down full scholarship, to go to college because I knowed I'd go straight in and make good money because I wanted to start my own family. The more I talk, the more I get out of breath. Uh, the amount of complicated black lung that we're seeing is significantly higher than it's ever been reported. And unfortunately, the amount of disease that we're seeing in younger individuals uh, which are having to go on to lung transplant is significantly higher than we saw before. We've had gentlemen in their, in their mid-30s which are actually waiting on lung transplants already after just 15 to 17 years of mining experience. And on general, if you have a lung transplant with black lung, the, the survival rate is usually less than other causes of the disease. So unfortunately, even if you do get a, a lung transplant, your average survival rate's only four to five years. We can't do things as a family like we used to. Cause I can't do it, I can't go. We're all pretty close. You know, so I know they worry about it, but there's nothing they can do. I'm raising two small kids. 10, 11 years old, and they want to, they, they're my grandbabies, but I'm raising them. And, uh, they want to go out and play ball stuff. I can't do it. I can't do it. Watch from the winter or something. That's it. Uh, they want to go fishing and stuff. Can't do it. Any kind of activity, it's, it's over with. I mean, it, and it's sad, and they don't understand. Uh, I mean, it, you can't blame the kid. It's just uh, 63 year, year old. Uh, should be in pretty good health, but I'm, I'm not. Black lung was something that uh, old coal miners years and years from now probably got 
there wasn't that much made about it at the time, but uh, I just didn't have the foresight to to understand really what might ha happen eventually. And now I'm 72 years old and I have black lung. Coal mining is an incredibly strenuous job. It's a dangerous job. It's a job that many miners are forced to take unnecessary risks to just feed their family. I remember he was just coughing and I started praying and I says, Lord, you know, Lord, you could stop this. You could, I can't take it, Lord. I said, you can stop this coughing. Floyd turns around and looks at me in the bed and he says, Rita, he said, if the Lord, you know what he done for us at Calvary? If he went to Calvary and did that, hung on that cross for us, I can lay here and cough. Floyd Gregory passed away in October of 2009 at the age of 53. As of July 2017, Rita Gregory has not yet received her survivor's benefits. And I may not, I prayed for earthly healing. I may not have got that, but I got eternal healing. His soul is with the Lord. And that, that's what gives you peace and comfort when you lose a loved one to know that their soul is with the Lord. And if you live your life right, you'll get to see them again. The most valuable resource that we have in central Appalachia and eastern Kentucky it isn't natural gas and it isn't coal, it's the workforce that produces those natural resources for us. It's a preventable disease. We've long known it's a preventable disease. All you do is control the amount of dust that miners breathe. And our country has known for decades how to do that. They should take better care of the miners so they're, they're dying breathing. Die. And you don't know it till he's already got you. How much longer are we gonna go? Are you are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, I'm having a hard time breathing. Hard time. We can cut it right now. Okay, that'd be alright. Thank you all right. for talking to us. I'm sorry, but No, you're perfectly <coughs> That's it for this edition of Mountain Talk Wednesday. I've been your host, Rachel Geringer. Special thanks to Benny Becker and the youth producers at AMI for their contributions to this episode. Be sure to check us out online at www.wmmt.org, where you can listen to past episodes of Mountain Talk or download us as a podcast. From all of us here at WMMT, we hope you've enjoyed this program, and thanks so much for listening. Fight one day more, one day more. If the company holds out 20 years, we'll hold out one day more. One day more, one day more. If the company holds out 20 years, we'll hold out one day more. One day more, one day more. People you
won't need our pity, you'll just need our helping hands to fight one day more, one day more. If the companies hold out 20 years, we can hold out one day more. 